Do you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device, uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android, and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 226 of the iFreak Show. Today in our panel, we have Erica Sadoon. Hi from Denver. Guy Rambo. Hi from Brazil. And this is James Zuber from cold and snowy Minneapolis. We don't have a guest today, but Guy's been doing some cool work on and some writing on CloudKit. And a lot of us are wondering if, if we should use CloudKit. And if we were doing this podcast three years ago, I think it would have been a quick no. And we would have gone right to the picks. But I think Guy's had some better experiences. So Guy, can you tell us a little bit about CloudKit? Yeah, so in case... Uh... People don't know what it is. It's a cloud syncing solution by Apple. They don't want you to call it a database, uh, even though it kind of looks like a database when you use it, but uh, it's really not. And we're going to talk more about that uh, in the future. But yeah, it's a cloud syncing service by Apple. And it uh, when we talk about Apple and the cloud, People are usually hesitant to use their cloud technologies because they have a bumpy past with regards to that. And I think we should start by talking about whether they should be trusted or not. Could you step back just like one step and describe what does it mean to talk about the cloud? Is it more than just, you know, server-side data? What, what does it mean when somebody says they're going to use the cloud? Well, the cloud is one of those terms that is overused, to be honest, because it has many different meanings. But when we talk about something like CloudKit, it's basically just cloud storage, basically cloud data storage. You give them your user's data and they store it for you and you don't have to worry about managing servers or backups, even like how much storage you need and updates and security issues. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. They manage all of the infrastructure for you and, and that's it. So. I think and Apple that, does that in one of the Carolinas, right? They have a huge data storage facility. Yeah, they do. And if you are curious to know where that stuff is hosted, you can look at their 
yearly security paper where they usually mention for each technology where the servers are located. But yeah, I think you're right. So with CloudKit, I can take data from my app and I can put it up somewhere in the cloud, um, but it's not a database. Why is it not a database? I think they don't want you to call it a database because uh, most of the database aspects are abstracted from you. It is schemaless um, in development. Uh, you So the way you store data in CloudKit is you have your record types, which are kind of like tables. <laughs> so that's why it, it looks so much like a database. Um, so let's say I have a notes app. I, I'll have probably a note record, which is a type. And I can store a title, a body, and attachments, and all of that stuff. And I think they don't want you to call it a database because it provides more than uh, just a database would. Like, it, it can store large files. You can upload huge files to CloudKit if you want to. In fact, all of the new photos sync is CloudKit-based. Even iCloud Drive is CloudKit-based. So you can store huge files in CloudKit. That's not an issue. And you usually can't do that directly with a traditional database. And they also handle authentication for you. You can basically just let your users sync their data without worrying about authentication because they will be using the user's iCloud login that's set up on their device. Uh, so if they have an iCloud account set up, you don't have to worry about it. In the early bad days of Apple's initial forays into centralized data, there were stories about people logging into their accounts and seeing other people's data. What's happened since then? I'm not sure what what they've done to solve all of the issues they had. I, I believe they were mostly management issues, uh, not necessarily technical. Of course, the management issues reflected on the, the technical side. But uh, I believe they, they're taking it more seriously. Uh, services revenue is becoming to be more important for Apple over the, the quarters. And I think they are focusing their efforts on improving reliability with it, which is like the most important thing when it comes to uh, cloud services like CloudKit. So I think it was a shift on thinking, basically. So when you're creating your, your data object, what are you using? Is it similar to like doing core data or how do you do that? If you want to create, a, say, a note, as you mentioned before. So the way you interact with CloudKit is by using a framework, which is called CloudKit. So you just import CloudKit and you get access to all of the framework. And the most basic object you, you can use is a CK record. And a CK record represents an instance of a record. And it has a record type, which is like Note, for instance. 
And it's basically just a dictionary. You can just set value for key and you, you set the, the values for the keys you want. And the cool thing is when you're using it during development, you're not using the production environment. You don't have to, to tell CloudKit which keys you're going to use. You just create your objects in code and send them to CloudKit and it's going to update the schema dynamically. But that, of course, is not true in production. So you have to kind of decide on your schema during development. And when you push to production, you have to be more careful with removing or adding new keys and renaming keys. But that's it. Uh, it's basically uh, a glorified dictionary, which is called a CK record. And unfortunately, uh, I mentioned this on my article, it's very stringly typed. So you have to uh, kind of be careful and define enums and custom subscripts if you want to be more type safe. And I even give an example of how you can do that. And CK record is not a value type, uh, and that's a bummer. It would be cool if it was a value type. But the way you usually work in real apps is you abstract CloudKit away and you use your own model objects and just like serialize them to CK records for syncing. So instead of serializing to JSON, you're serializing to another object. When a lot of people think of the cloud, they think of it sort of as an extra disk drive. But when you're programming the cloud, you have to think about things like conflicts and time and changes that come in asynchronously and changes that may invalidate each other and so forth. How does CloudKit approach these real world situations where you have to take time and access into account. CloudKit does something I I will call error oriented programming <laughs> because uh, the way they tell you that you need to handle something is by giving you an error object. So. Uh, the CloudKit API is fully asynchronous. Uh, they use the NS operation API. So you instantiate uh, CK operations. So you have like CK modify records operation when you want to create or modify records. And you give the operation multiple completion blocks and one of them takes an error. And they are very explicit, both in their documentation and in WWDC sessions about CloudKit, that you must absolutely handle errors that CloudKit gives you. Because these, these errors, they will tell you what happened. So what can happen? Maybe the device is not connected to the network. Maybe there is a conflict and there is a specific CK error type that will tell you that there was a conflict and it will give you the different records and so you can consolidate the data and try again or maybe you can show UI to the user hey uh, which version do you want to keep so that's another error that you have to handle and uh, most 
most errors that Calkit gives you, the like temporary error, errors, maybe there's a network connectivity error, they will give you a property on the error type that contains a timeout for you to try again. So you can, let's say, dispatch after uh, that time that they tell you. So the way you handle those things with CloudKit is by handling the errors that the API will give you. Let me give you a real-world example. Let's say that we have Stephanie, who's the CEO of some company, and she's using your application, which helps her write speeches. She heads out on the 415 plane to um, Cupertino, and while she's on the plane, she starts editing the speech that she's going to give when she talks at Apple. But while she's on the plane, her um, personal assistant back at the office is going through the old copy of her speech and just doing, you know, grammar edits and spelling edits. She gets off the plane and she's suddenly back, you know, where there's internet connectivity and we have two sets of edits there. Can you talk about how CloudKit approaches that conflicting data? Yeah, you gave the perfect nightmare scenario for, for syncing there. So the, the way CloudKit handles that is, well, first of all, CloudKit do, doesn't do conflict resolution for you. You have to do it, but they help you. Um, the way you fetch changes from CloudKit, so let's say the CEO has landed and now they have the network back, so when you call CloudKit, you're going to give CloudKit a change token. That change token is basically just a, a string that CloudKit gave you on the previous call and you start locally on user defaults, so something like that. And with that change token, CloudKit can basically know whether the local copy is in sync or not. And if you try to apply the changes that were made locally to the server changes, it will notice that the change token doesn't match and it will give you an error. That's, I think the specific error is server record changed. Basically, the server record has been changed and the client record is not in sync. So after that, you have many options. So you can decide that the most recent, recently changed one wins. You can decide that you want to show the user a UI where the user can choose which version they want to keep. Or you can do something more clever and do use some sort of algorithm to do like text merging, something like Git or, or, or like something like that. So CloudKit helps you. It, it will never let you just override stuff on the server, but you have to decide how your app is going to handle conflicts. So does what the CloudKit framework do anything to help you with like offline scenarios if you're not exactly connected to the network now, will it allow you to save the data locally and it will sync it later? 
Very good question. Uh, unfortunately not. So CloudKit is completely agnostic with regards to how you're storing the data locally. So the best approach I found to working with CloudKit or any syncing service is to store the data locally and send the data that's stored locally to the cloud and then download the, the updated data from the cloud and store it locally and completely abstract away the synchronization from the way you access the data on your app. The way I usually do it, and I even have a sample app on my GitHub, we're going to link in the show notes, is I, I, I use Realm, the, the database, but you can do the same thing with uh, core data, is... I register an observer with Realm, which will notify my code whenever an object is changed. So if the user adds a new note, I'll get a notification telling me that the, that note was added. And with that, I can like store the fact that the, the note was changed and upload it to CloudKit when, when I want to. Maybe I'll do it immediately and that's an option or I can queue the changes and do do them in batches lately later um or you can just like upload them in in sequence as they happen and cloudkit also has a mechanism where you register subscriptions which are basically live queries you you cr create a query for all of the users notes for instance and it will send you silent push notifications on Mac or iOS or even Apple Watch telling you what has changed on the server. And based on that, I will then update my local database and the local database change will trigger an UI update. So you don't directly use the data from CloudKit and you don't save data to CloudKit directly. You use your local caching mechanism and you make the two of them be synchronized together. Okay, that's an interesting perspective. I've done more work with, with Firebase and Firebase does a lot of that syncing for you. So if you save something, there's it's, it's not going to fail, even if you're offline. It'll just sync it later at a different time, which can get you into the type of problems that Erica described. If, if you're offline, you know, change a bunch of things, but CloudKit sounds like a different approach where you mainly just handle the CloudKit stuff. Um, you've got your local data store, and if you want to persist it with the cloud, you, you just do it, and you'll, you know if you're offline or not, so you handle it. It's more manual, but it gives you more flexibility if you get into weird syncing situations. Yeah, but you can handle the... If you have like just a temporary network loss of connectivity, let's say the person's in an elevator or in a tunnel, you can, uh, CloudKit will give you a try again timer that you can use to retry the operation. So they help you manage the error and you can also use the new flag. I'm not sure what it's called exactly, but uh, there's a new setting that they added to URL session to like automatically wait for network connectivity to try the operation. So you have that option as well. 
So yeah, they don't do the caching for you, but they kind of help you deal with network issues. For you, the listeners of the iFreak show, Loot Crate is offering an opportunity to save 10% on any new subscription at lootcrate.com. Just enter the promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% savings. Loot Crate is one of my favorite things. Every month I get a box in the mail, costs less than $20, and it comes with all kinds of goodies. I have stuff from just looking at my shelf, Batman, Spider-Man, Ninja Turtles, Back to the Future, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, and much, much more. So if you're a geek, a gamer, anything like that, and you want cool stuff to put around your office, cool t-shirts, comic books, etc., then definitely check out Loot Crate. To save 10% on your new subscription, go to lootcrate.com slash ruby. Again, that's lootcrate.com slash ruby to save 10% on any new subscription. Enter the promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% savings. Okay, that makes sense. One of the big issues about any application that uses cloud, especially using cloud through Apple, is cost. Because... The second you start using CloudKit that's associated with a person's individual cloud account, you have to think about how much storage you're using. And you have to think about what is the cost in terms of how much data do you buy from Apple per year? How does that tie into the development as opposed to considering, for example, going with a server or buying data on S3 or something like that, where the cost is shifted away from the user, perhaps through a direct subscription cost, rather than just paying for more cloud. CloudKit is essentially free um, because we we haven't talked about it, but they have three types of databases. They have the public database, the private database, and the shared database. And you can use you'll usually want to use all three of them, depending on your app. But the private database and the shared database, they're both basically private. They belong to the user. You, as a developer, cannot access that database on the CloudKit dashboard. You can't see your user's data. Um, And all the data that's stored in private database is it counts towards your user's quota, so you are not going to get charged for it as a developer. So let's say your user has five gigabytes. I was actually talking about the cost to the user. (laughs) Yeah, cool. So let's talk about it. So if your user has five gigabytes of iCloud and your app is storing six gigabytes for them, let's say they can upload videos and... Of course, videos are heavy. So they are going to run out of iCloud storage. And they they obviously can't see that when they go to their iCloud preferences. Apple tells them, hey, you have this app that's using this much storage. And they are going to notice that it's your app. Um, So you have to be careful, basically. uh, And even with error handling because CloudKit will give you a specific error when your user is out of iCloud space. So you can obviously tell your user, but your best option is to be careful and not abuse the the system, basically, not store anything that's not necessary and 
delete stuff when it's not needed anymore. Um, with the public database, it's another story because it's the public database is data that's shared with all users of your app. So you can have users sharing data with other users publicly. And everything that's stored in the public database is your quota as a developer. And they have pretty large limits. Uh, I have even included that in my article. If you have an app with 10 million active users, that's a lot, they'll give you one petabyte of asset storage, 10 terabytes of database storage, and huge amounts of data transfer. So you get a lot of data for free from Apple for the public database. But if you are going to be using the public database a lot for heavy usage, you, you have to be careful as a developer. And for your users, you have to be careful not to store data that they don't want to in the private database. Because there's not like an authorization prompt. Uh, do you want to let this app use your iCloud account? So you have to respect your users. From a user point of view, data that gets stored on the user's iCloud is going to be more secure. And I think there's this feeling that it's going to be more reliable because even if the app developer goes out of business, the, the, the data is still there on the user's iCloud. But at the same point, it incurs a cost uh, because it's taking up data that the user is paying for. Even in the five gigabyte you know, free zone, eventually you reach the edges, especially if you use any photos at all. But you push that against to, for example, things. Um, I'm a things user, although I am looking at some other apps right now that are cloud-based um, at organizing and so forth. But you look at the privacy policies. When you're storing data onto cloud services that are not iCloud, that are not that understood private versus app developer separation, and None of the developers that do that, that give you, you your organization applications, they all say, we may look at data for debugging and so forth. And that is very uncomfortable, I think, to a lot of users. Whereas when you go with iCloud, if it's stored on your iCloud, there's no way for a developer to go in there and start looking at it, right? Yeah, exactly. You don't have access to your users' private databases. You, as a developer, can access only your own private database, so your own iCloud account. If you if you log into the CloudKit dashboard with your own iCloud account, you can do that. But you can't do it for any of your users, even if you have their iCloud credentials, which is crazy, but you you don't. But let's say you had Erica's iCloud email and, and password. You couldn't even access the CloudKit dashboard with that because she's not a member of your development team. 
Um, so yeah, it's very privacy concerned. They they really Apple is really worried about privacy, and they wouldn't give you access to your users' data like that. And so some people must be thinking, well, uh, let's just store everything in the public database then. But then you are going to end up paying for the data if, if your app gets very popular. And there are some features of CloudKit that are not available for the public database. Um, I, I think subscriptions are not available. So if you want to get those change notifications from CloudKit, you can't do it on the public database. And that basically like destroys the whole point of using CloudKit because uh, with CloudKit, you usually want your users to be able to change something on one device and see it immediately on the other. And if you don't do subscriptions, you can't do that. So yeah, you, you have to be respectful of your user's privacy. And for the user, if you're using an app that it's using CloudKit with a private database, you don't have to worry about your privacy. You have to basically have the same trust you you have been giving Apple because the data is, is with Apple and the developer will not have access to it. So what happens if I want to add a web client or an Android app? Um, can we still use CloudKit for that? I'm not sure for Android. Um, I haven't looked into it much, but they do have uh, an API so basically a REST API that you can use. I've seen some examples. Uh, I think it's mainly for web apps, but I don't think they would have any problem with you using the web REST API on your Android app. They're just REST calls. So I, I think it's fine. Okay, well, that makes sense. Yeah, as long as there's an API, an Android app could implement it themselves. That wouldn't be a problem. Another question I had is about the data, and you mentioned something about keys. So if I had like my note and I wanted to add users to it that have access to it, um, is there ways to coordinate that data in, like in a relational way with CloudKit? Yes, CloudKit has references, which are CK references, and you can define a key on your on your record that's a reference to another record type. So, and with the example you gave of users, that's automatic. And I I was talking to you before we started recording about CloudKit being more powerful than people think. And one of the cool things that it gives you is authentication. So you have access to your user's user record. So there's a record type that comes preloaded into every CloudKit container called user, and that represents your user's iCloud account. And with the user's permission, of course, you can even uh, get access to their email and full name if they have that configured with iCloud, which I think everyone has. And so, yeah, you can can get access to the user. And every time the user creates a record, the record automatically gets a user associated with it. Very cool. So anything else we want to cover before we get to the picks? 
Well, I think I'd like to talk about the unusual ways of using CloudKit. Because a lot of people think it's for storing pictures and videos and documents. But CloudKit can be a lot more subtle than that, can't it? Yeah, you can do like one example I've seen and I've done that is global app configuration that you need to be remote. So let's say you want your app to be themable and you want the colors to change on Black Friday. That's my favorite example. You can define a theme on CloudKit as a public database record and you can edit the theme directly on the CloudKit dashboard, which is the dashboard where you can interact with CloudKit. And if you configure everything correctly, next time the user opens your app, every user, they're going to see your new theme that you define in CloudKit. So that's an example of an unusual way to use. So if you're familiar with Firebase, it will be like the remote config Firebase thing. So you can do that with CloudKit. Uh, something that Apple moved to CloudKit recently is the text completions. It's been famous for not working very well because they basically didn't sync correctly for a long, long time. And apparently with iOS 11 and macOS High Sierra, if all of your devices are running the latest OS, you get text completions syncing through CloudKit. And it, it's been working very well for me. Uh, so Apple uses CloudKit in, in various ways internally. I think that's why the technology has advanced so much. All right. Uh, ready for picks? This episode is sponsored by Linode. Linode is offering listeners of this podcast a $20 credit, which is good for four free months at their lowest plan. Their plans start at one gigabyte of RAM for $5 a month. You can get your servers in any of their 10 data centers, and their high memory plans start at 16 gigabytes. Get a server running in under a minute. They do hourly billing with a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups, node balancers, long view, etc. VMs for full control, running Docker containers, encrypted disks, VPNs, etc. You can run a private Git server. They provide native SSD storage, 200 gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors. They have 24-7 friendly support, even on holidays, and a seven-day money-back guaranteed. So go check them out at linode.com slash ifreaks. So yeah, that sounds like some great stuff. So we're running a little bit low on time. Let's let's get to the picks. Erica, what do you have for us? I have a hyper-local, hour-by-hour animated wind, rain, and temperature map that's online for any location around the world. And it's from ventusky.com. Just head over to ventusky.com and put in either a latitude longitude, if you know that, or you can put in the name of a city or a state. And it just shows you real time, hour by hour, what's going on. And it's just beautiful to look at. I know that it's snowing over near your parts. So um, you got a chance to look at it too, didn't you? I did. It's it's really cool, and I've I've I feel like my the weather apps I've been using are like stuck in like 1997. 
for the most part. And you showed this to me like, wow, this is great. See, yeah, it's, it's very blowing. now. So it's very cool. Like even, even the good apps with like the right data, it's like, what? Haven't we moved a little bit beyond this? But no, it's very cool. I'm going to, I've got it bookmarked. So, and definitely like the wind, you can see how the wind's going and how that affects, which I bike a lot. So that, that matters, especially in the winter. Mm-hmm. So Guy, do you have a pick for us? Yes, the first pick is, of course, my article on CloudKit, where I go into more detail about the stuff we talked about, so you can read it. It's uh, quite quite a long article, and you'll see code samples and my sample app linked in there, so it's a very good learning resource. And I also want to pick a project that I'm just getting started with, which is learnappkit.io, and it's going to be a short course that's focused on iOS developers that want to bring their apps to the Mac. And I'm running a landing page right now, which you can subscribe for news and a cool discount when the course is up. Very cool. I look forward to seeing that because I don't really know app kit that well. So I've got one pick. And over the past month or so, I've, I get up early and my wife sleeps in. And it's cold around where I live. And there's nothing else to do. So I turn on the TV and I started watching uh, soccer, English, the English Premier League or football, as the entire rest of the world would call it. Uh, I've been getting into it. So I've been enjoying it. Sometimes the game started at like 6.30 my time, 9 o'clock. So if you're just getting up doing stuff, I've been watching it it's on NBC Sportsnet. So I've been, I've been watching the English soccer and I've been, I've been enjoying it. I don't really have a team. I don't really know that much about it. Oh, Erica's Arsenal. Okay. Uh, I just had a bad joke about Arsenal. Um, but anyway, I'm not going to go with that. Uh, I've been watching Liverpool. So, but I have a friend who's into Arsenal. So that's how it goes. Death to Manchester United. Okay. I can probably get behind that. I probably just insulted half the English speaking, English uh, living people. But uh, anyway, Englishmen listeners. Uh, anyway, I've been watching it. I've been getting into it. It's um, it's fun. And, you know, if you're from the U.S., most people that taught you how to be just hated soccer for no real reason. They just did because we liked other sports and people are watching it now. And I'm digging it. So I'm just checking um, watching the <laughs> – I'm not repeating that, Erica. I'm getting a little subtext. But, uh, um, all right, we're going to edit part of that <laughs> I have a comment. Yeah, go ahead. It's ironic that I live in the country that's known for soccer, and I am not into soccer at all. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, Brazil is ground zero for soccer worldwide, pretty much. But yeah, can't watch any of the, the Brazilian teams up here for for whatever reason. But I've been enjoying it, and that's my pick. I don't know that much about soccer, but um, we got to get you started watching Australian rules football. You know, I used to watch that in college. They used to be on like ESPN, whatever, when they had nothing it's else insane. to show. Insane. I like the men like the in cleats jumping onto other men's shoulders with cleats on. I had a friend who was actually from Australia, and like I, I think I had an insomnia thing. So they'd show like the matches or the the plays like late night and he's like what you know you know that team you know whoever it was you know the rules I'm like yeah kind of watch it 
I digress. I think that's all the time we have. The time we're talking about soccer and Australian rules football, I think die freaks are done for today. But yeah, no guests, but thanks, Guy, for cluing us in on CloudKit. And all we are saying is give CloudKit give Cloud Kid a chance. Yeah. All right, we'll see everyone next week. Bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.